Hello everyone, Daniel Brown here. I'm Chief Editor in the HEC Communications Department. Today, what role could smart cities play in redesigning the West's major metropolises? To find out, we reach out to one of HEC's top specialists on the topic. Okay, I'm Bertrand Quenin, Professor of Strategy and the Order of the Bouygues HEC Paris Chair. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Smart City Expo World Congress 2021. Now, back in 2011, a group of forward-thinking people decided to make life better for citizens around the world by focusing on how to build a smart society using innovative and sustainable ideas. Now, we've seen an enthusiastic uptake of many of those ideas that have already made life better for millions of city dwellers around the world. This year's November saw the 10th Smart City Expo World Congress bring together over 35,000 delegates from 120 countries. It coincided with the publication by HEC academic Bertrand Quélin and his former student Isaac Smadja of an e-book which dissects six of the world's major smart cities. Quélin is Bouig chairholder of Smart City and the Common Good, while Smadja is a program officer in Society and Digital Inclusion at Capgemini. The 238-page publication couldn't be more timely, as over half the planet's population lives in cities and they are demanding a higher quality of life at a sustainable cost. For Kelan and Smadja, that means building smart cities which can bridge the inequality gaps and answer the climate emergency. I caught up with Professor Kelan to discuss the conclusions of his study. We exchanged as calls increase for the private sector and local authorities to partner up to make cities, well, smarter. But first, why did Kelan feel it was important to publish this ebook now? Key reason is the ability of uh, main cities to attract people living in a very dense uh, area. That's uh, the key reason. And then we understand cities can be very active as partners of finding solutions to match climate change, depletion of resources. So it makes sense to analyze main cities. And this was a joint project between a senior academic and a just recently graduated HEC student from the prestigious SASI program. What did the bringing together of two generations, you and Isaac, contribute to the research? Oh, really, it was a big surprise because, you know, my econ uh, background uh, led me to focus on more uh, governance, policy, economic investment. And, and thanks to Isaac, he had a better and deeper knowledge compared to mine about garden on roof, e-mobility, some uh, uh, startups, uh, digital solutions. So he had potentially a partial knowledge, but something which is uh, really update in terms of solution, even if it's local solutions. I was more or less more in charge of the conceptual uh, chapters, but we interact a lot. And uh, he has been very active in order to set up the methodology, picking the existing set of criteria and then to try to apply them to each of the six cities. The collaboration was based on, on a true complementarity. So it, it works well. It has been a fantastic collaboration, yeah. 
And what were the criteria for choosing these six cities? The six have been uh, awarded by different institutions and they receive a price and award depending on different uh, categories. Sometimes the overall effort, it's Singapore. Sometimes the digital effort, that's uh, Barcelona, for example. And Copenhagen is a very uh, attractive city about a solution for uh, zero carbon uh, printing, energy solution. So we, we had the opportunity to select a couple of uh, cities. We had uh, 10 to 12. And then we check the quality of websites and the quality of reports and the sort of uh, reliability of the city policy. And the connectivity to send and receive it. Some cities were early on the connectivity part, like Barcelona, which has had fiber optic cables embedded below its streets for more than 30 years. Other regions, like in the US, have been slower on network infrastructure, but they're catching up. Bertrand Kellin, you say your analysis of these smart cities is based on the IMD World Competitiveness Center Smart City Index. Quite a mouthful. Uh, but you've challenged the structure of the IMD's investigation and you've complemented its findings with, with other information, uh, which you mentioned earlier, um, that, you that you obtained by examining the, the city's websites and digital platforms. What issues did you find with this uh, index? First, the index has a pretty robust and strong reputation, and they have done over many years. That, that's the first point. The second is, recently they started a collaboration with uh, uh, Singapore University, so they expand, and I guess they are working on their uh, index. And then they were the opportunity to have access to data and to complement, as you mentioned, the list of the main criteria. We recognized there were a better effort to be done on governance and the citizen participation. So for us, it was very clear no city can implement a new policy if they don't secure the support of people living in, and especially open the ability to open the governance to who? The private companies, because they are ready to finance some projects, and the, the citizen, because citizens are now re ready to promote some experience, even if it's local, and to be part of the decision-making uh, process. They are very eager to have their uh, world to say. And, and that's part also of, of the selection of the six because they have been, a uh, few years ago, very active to uh, pay attention to the citizen op opinion. And it's very delicate, for sure, because uh, people in charge of cities uh, have uh, the sanction, the potential sanction of voting and the citizens are very keen to uh, have different levels to obtain some relevant things or to be part of the design of the policy. So that's the reason why we pay attention to governance and citizens. When I leave my house every morning, five days a week, my phone app tells me how long my commute to work will be. Today, 
It tells me that I could make it to work faster by train. It's Friday night, and you're running a little late for a dinner reservation. Your usual route is full of traffic, so your car is guided through quieter back streets straight into an available parking space. Ten minutes away from my stop, I receive a message from my usual coffee shop, asking if I'd like them to prepare a long black, my usual morning coffee. The train arrives at my stop, and I leave the platform as the exact amount for the ride is deducted from my account. I walk past the coffee Smart cities are becoming rampant in the ever-changing world. Be it Seoul, Stockholm, or Singapore, many cities are becoming smart cities. You mentioned a few categories. Um, they include health, mobility, uh, opportunities, governance. There are 18 in all. Um, are they of equal importance or did you structure a hierarchy? I would say technically they have equal weight, especially because it's pretty risky without very detailed data to claim oh, this one has a higher weight. However, based on, on the studies of each uh, city, we know there is some uh, angle given or, or selected by each of the six cities. For example, uh, digital platform is a key asset in Barcelona. And for sure, saving uh, energy to be a zero carbon city in 2025 is the landmark of Copenhagen. So that's interesting to say, using the list of 18 criteria, help us to identify where each city is putting its effort. And in fact, you've nicknamed these cities quite succinctly. Uh, Amsterdam is the collaborative city, Barcelona, the digital city, Copenhagen, the green growth city, Singapore, the smart nation. It's a nation, but really a city nation. Toronto, the Google city. And finally, Vienna, the framework city. How simple is it to categorize them as such? It was a marketing temptation. I'm not sure we are good enough in doing that. But uh, it's also the sort of uh, nickname given to uh, the main uh, direction, the main color, and to summarize. So that's a temptation to summarize. But I think we are not so far from the main conclusion. So for any reader, they will discover the more relative weight of each factor, but it's pretty useful, I would say. So have a thing. The world has changed, and so have future careers. The sky is the limit. In fact, in a smart city, there is no limit. Interested to find out Bertrand Quélin, your conclusion is that urban transformation requires the convergence of three factors. First of all, a vision developed by the team in charge of running the city. Secondly, strong involvement of companies in delivering solutions and sharing value. And finally, active collaboration involving different stakeholders. None of the cities uh, you examine are alike. Which incarnates these three factors best for you? Oh, that's a difficult uh, question. I guess I have a lot of respect for uh, Copenhagen, for sure, and for Singapore for different reasons. Copenhagen take advantage of uh, starting very early. They face a big uh, flooding uh, uh, a decade uh, or more yeah, uh, ago, and they realize 
we cannot continue working like we have done in the past. So that's a, a very interesting case where collaboration with uh, private companies, the, the role and importance of citizens, and the objective, the vision about uh, this city should be uh, carbon neutral uh, pretty fastly. Singapore is very interesting because it's, it's a specific case based on the confusion between a small but very, very wealthy state and a large city. So it's a modern one, but able to rely on the very uh, efficient administration. And they, they dedicate almost everything to offer every service through apps. The other nickname would have been the app city. But that's very interesting because compared to Barcelona, we don't have the same or similar attention. Singapore is a centralized uh, data center. The platform has uh, uh, the ability to uh, collect data, but they don't offer startup the ability to develop new services based on an open data services. And that's the key advantage of, of Barcelona. And the COVID pandemic uh, has uh, destroyed any opportunity based on single economic factors. Mm. So that's part of uh, a new learning in terms of uh, designing the, the, the relevant vision. The vision must be able to uh, adequately welcome the different dimension in order to be shared with private partners, but also citizens. Yeah, that's key. Yeah. Finally, Bertrand Quélin, where from here? Will you be broadening your geographical net to include other cities? Will you start re-examining what you've done by comparing it with the on-the-ground investigations that you might like to, uh, to begin or other directions? Many other directions, because as scholar, you know, we don't have true limits. But that's an interesting, provocative question. For sure, uh, going to interview on the ground, uh, meeting association, activists, and, and uh, private partners and uh, team in charge. Yes, for sure. Enlarging the list in order to be able to compare. And then the third direction would be uh, digging more and, and understand the type of collaboration between private companies and public bodies. Because we identify a key collaboration between uh, Siemens and uh, the Vienna city. Amsterdam is very keen to leave opportunity for private companies working with startups. That's a case for Barcelona. So we have some cities uh, working as a lab, uh, as labs, because they don't have the same profile. And that's very enthusiastic direction for working more. Bertrand Quélin, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dan, for your uh, interview. A smart city can be anything you want it to be. What do you want from your city? Well, what do we want from the cities of the future? 
A question posed by researchers at the University of Adelaide, which Bertrand Quelin and Isaac Smadja go some way to answering. Their ebook Smart Cities, the Sustainable Program of Six Leading Cities, has just been published by HEC's Society and Organizations Institute. The book comes at a time the UN program People-Centered Smart Cities acknowledges the key role digital technologies can have for a sustainable urban development. In their focus on Barcelona, Kelan and Smadja underline smart cities' digital policy for programs to respond to all citizens' needs. Only time will tell how such smart cities will overcome the digital divide and compensate for economic and educational inequalities worldwide. Well, that's it for this Knowledge at HEC News podcast. In this program, you heard extracts from NBC News and last month's Smart City Expo Congress in Barcelona. Tune in again later this month to hear HEC professor Shahina Janjuha Jivraj share her years of research on gender politics in entrepreneurship. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>